Well, we are in a sermon series entitled, You Belong Here, and we are digging down and we are looking at the words of the Apostle Paul uh, that he wrote to a church in Ephesus uh, approximately 30 years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So not too long after Jesus uh, died and rose from the dead, Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and he is writing to a church that uh, was, was situated in modern day Turkey. And so one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I launched this sermon series is this is this idea that you belong here. And our theme scripture, if I could have it up, I think y'all have got that, is from Ephesians 2.19. It's in the message. And this is kind of our, our big idea throughout this sermon series. It comes from this verse. You belong here. Y'all just look around. You belong here. Say it to your friend. Say it to your neighbor. You belong here. I belong here. There are those who are outside the walls of this church. God wants to give them a place to belong. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's building a home. And one of the things that we talked about is what does it mean to be God's home, to be this home, this space that God is building? And here's the thing that I know, because Paul tells us right here, is that God is using all of us. He's not just using the staff here at Martha Bowman. He's not just using Mark. He's not just using me or Liz or, or you know, fill in the blank. He is using each one of us. He is using you, irrespective of how we got here, into what he is building. That is our heart. That is the theme of this sweet little letter that Paul wrote to this ancient church so many years ago. A couple of weeks ago, we established, though, the tension, uh, and Paul addresses it. Uh, it is an ancient tension. It is a modern tension. And what was happening there within that church, and he, he, he talked about it this way. He said that in Christ that one of the things that God was doing was that he was tearing down the walls of hostility that separate us. So just like today uh, we have walls of hostility that we build up towards one another. They had that same tension, that same temptation, that same struggle as we do today. And when we look at our culture one of the things that we talked about is that as we live in this shared space in our culture, uh, so often uh, it is our disagreements, it is our anger, it is our hostility, it is all of those things uh, that we allow to uh, pull us apart. So rather than the shared space being a safe place, a home where we're all in here together, we allow these walls of hostility brick by brick by brick to begin to divide us and pull us apart. And so what we said a couple of weeks ago was it's like, that's not good, let's not do it. All right, I don't know about y'all. I just do not like it at all. Well, I don't find it helpful. Maybe I should put it this way. When someone says, okay, don't do that. And then I'm like, well, of course I don't want to do that. But if I knew how to do it, I wouldn't do it. So I was like, no, I don't want to have a wall of hostility. No, I don't want to have a wall of hostility with my husband when we had a spat over something like a, a boat oar. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. There was a major disagreement we had in a boat over, it was a ski, sorry about a ski. But anyway, you know, I, I don't want to feel that rage. I don't want to feel that anger inside of me over fill in the blank. And, and I 
would guess that you are the same way, that when you feel those frustrations, when it could be rage, it could be bitterness, whatever it is, you don't want to feel and experience that. Uh, maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you just enjoy uh, the rage and the anger. But my guess is, if you're sitting in this room and you're in this church and you're trying your very best to be a Christ follower, you don't want to be someone that builds walls of hostility that separate you uh, from the people that you love, the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people that you worship with. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to kind of follow along with Paul and we're going we're to roll up our sleeves. We're going to dig down and, and what I hope today is that today is just a candid conversation um, about what Paul says regarding this whole idea of anger and hostility. And um you know, I, I get the privilege of kind of working with this, wrestling with this, living uh, with this all week long. And, and I will tell you that Paul's words, though somewhat maybe familiar in, in one sense, but, but his message today has rocked me to my core and has really, uh, I think, kind of put me in a place where, where I'm, I'm ready to, to, you know, to, to kind of step it up in my own walk with Jesus and be a little more intentional about even the anger and the rage and the, and the frustrations that I allow to fester and take root in my own heart. So with that, let's jump into the key verse that we're going to kind of be uh, circling around, coming back to working with today. This comes from Ephesians 4.26, and I'm just going to read the first portion of this verse to you today. Paul writes, he's been talking about the walls of hostility. He's been talking about, you know, don't, don't let these things build up. I, I want the church to be one. And this is what he says. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Another translation says, be angry and yet don't sin. This is the New Living Translation, and I love the way that, that it's phrased here because it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. And so the question I want you to think about as we're kind of thinking about this whole idea of building up these walls of hostility, tearing these down in Christ, um, what is your relationship with anger? What is your relationship with anger? I think some people just sheerly based on their temperament have a, a greater propensity uh, to, to kind of let their anger boil and rage. Some people just through, you know, Christian character are able to kind of keep a lid on it a little bit. Uh, uh, lovingly, uh, my, you know, have a, we have a family member who... Uh, he, this person was a coach, and you know they'll kind of, woo, you know, I mean, their 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 anger would flare, and so whenever we see somebody getting really like hot real fast, we said, oh, they're pulling a coachy is what they're doing, you know. So we we know that sometimes there are people who, you know, it's just kind of built into their nature. Uh, I, on our staff here, we took a uh, a personality test. It's called Emergenetics. Some of you might uh, be aware of that one, but it, there's nine different personality types. But out of the nine, three of those, and of which. Let me just raise my hand here. Card carry member. I'm a number one. I'm a perfectionist reformer. That, that's what it said. But our underlying emotion when we're not in a good place is anger because we just want it to be better. And so with this, the thing that, that I hope that we'll kind of take away from that Paul is saying right here is that anger in and of itself 
is never a sin. The anger is, is a part of what it is to be human, uh, to be made in the image and in the, in, in the reflection of who God is. In the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, Exodus 34, 6, Moses, God has appeared to, to Moses there in the wilderness. And so he is describing who God is. And he says, the God of compassion and the God of mercy. He said, you, O God, are a God of compassion and you are a God of mercy. And then he says this phrase that I, I don't want us to miss. And, and God is speaking of himself. He's trying to explain to Moses, this is who I am. And he says, I am slow to anger. So a part of God's character, a part of who God is, is this capacity to experience anger. Now, I know a lot of people have a hard time with the Old Testament, and they feel that God is this angry God. But I, but I think it's important for us to kind of unpack and think, what, what is this emotion that it can be so strong? Um, well, here's the thing that, that, that we know is that it is completely wired into our DNA. And, and it often comes when there is a threat. It's kind of like woven into our biology that if you're getting attacked by a bear, if you're getting, you know, back in the day when, you know, maybe men lived in caves and there's somebody came and they're coming at you with a rock and they're going to kill you or they're going to steal your cow or whatever, that, that sometimes that anger and that rage is, it is a part of uh, a, a little bit of a protective instinct. So, so it, it is wired in there, hardwired. We, we have that fight, that flight, or that freeze. But, but Paul says there in Ephesians, don't miss this, he says, don't sin by letting your anger control you, letting it control your thoughts, your words, your attitudes, and your actions. On the positive side of anger is we see that when God expresses his anger, what he is typically upset about is that there is some injustice that is being done in the world. There is an injustice. There is someone that he cares about. There is someone that, that an injustice is being done, uh, oppression, one, one person against another, uh, where his good creation, his good world is being destroyed. And so we see that God is slow to anger, but there are times when he, he, he acts we see a good thing. Uh, we think about when people have, when they, when they feel angry, upset, there's this passion, not necessarily a rage, but there is this energy, this passion that fuels us uh, to address injustices in the world today. Um, I think about the civil rights movement. We think about women's suffrage. We think about global poverty. We think about some of these big things that humanity has said, this just should not be. This is not right. And so we, that, that, that passion, that energy that, that we see Jesus, he turned over the tables in the temple. It's when the world is not as it should be. And we began to take this passionate action. I heard someone say that, that our anger, this passion, this whatever you want to, words you want to use, is that, is that it's like a fire. When this fire is raging out of control, and you see, that's what Paul said there. He said, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger 
control you. When that, when that passion, that zeal, when it is out of control, it can be extraordinarily destructive. You know, this year we have, this summer in particular, we've witnessed uh, all the, the, the fires out in, in, the, in the West, all the forest fires. We've watched this uncontrollable fire uh, destroy homes and communities, people's livelihoods. It has been this incredibly destructive. And Paul is saying that when your anger, this God-given gift that I've given you to fuel your passion, uh, to be who I am, to be like me, but when it is being fueled by sin, it has the ability to destroy a home, to destroy a marriage, to destroy the heart of a, of a child, a tender heart of a child. When a parent lashes out in anger, it can destroy a nation. It is, can be very destructive. But fire when, when wielded rightly, when, when, when used well, uh, it can be a very powerful tool. We think about before the days of electricity, uh, before we had, you know, heating and air like we have today. Fire is what allowed people to not freeze, to stay warm at night. Uh, fire is what's used to, uh, to uh, burn, you know, metals back in the day so, so that the dross would come to the top to purify. And so it has this great capacity to be wielded for good. But Paul is saying here, but when you allow this God-given something that he has set within you uh, and you allow it to control you, when you allow it to control your thoughts, um, how many, you know, whether it's something as simple as, uh, you know, I'm driving to Atlanta, uh, one of the things, I, I really like it when there's no construction in McDonough. Can we all have an amen? You know, how many times have I been trying to make a flight or trying to get to, you know, Rome to see my daughter, what, you know, fill in the blank, and then all of a sudden, it's like the parking lot at McDonough, and it's like, I, I don't get it. Why does the world stop here? Yeah, so yeah, so that's, uh, we, we all know what that is like, but so it, it controls my thoughts. Uh, it can control our attitudes. It can, it can bum me out. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, it's taken me four hours to get up to Rome, Georgia. It should take me, you know, two and a half or three at the max. It can begin to uh, affect my attitude, my thoughts, and... We all know that it can also, when anger is having full vent, it can also affect the words that come out of our mouth, the tone that we use. It can affect uh, the actions that we take. So with this, Paul writes, and he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. So we've established it is this God-given uh, ability. I mean, or it's a part of the nature of God. We, we've inherited that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. James gives us, I think, a key insight. And this has been so incredibly helpful as I've kind of pondered this this, this week. James 4, 1 and 2, he, he asked this question to the church. And this is the question I, I think is going to kind of be what, you know, our real practical, this is something I want to invite you to do. But he asked the question because their church had quarrels and arguments and fighting. And he said, what is causing these quarrels and these fights among you? And he says, don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you and you want what you don't have? Let's just sit with this for just a second. Let's sit there with that. Basically, James is saying, okay, people, you're human beings. 
It's a part of your DNA. It's a part of how you're wired. And I'm watching you quarrel and have disagreements because that is, that, you know, it's just as true 2,000 years ago as it is today. And he says, and, and what's causing it? What is underneath it? If you ask me, why did you get angry when you drove to Atlanta and you hit all that traffic at McDonough? Well, the reason is because those people, they shouldn't have been doing construction. I had an expectation that it was going to be clear sailing. Or, or you know, I, I think about... Um, Oh, my poor grandkids are going to get used in all the sermons now. But anyway, listen, Claire, Claire's too young to know, but I was, I was with my granddaughter and, uh, last weekend, and there was something that she wanted, and her mama said no. What, what do you think happened? Yeah, y'all know. Y'all know what happened. Yeah, there was the, you know, the flailing on the ground, and, you know, you would think her whole entire world was coming to an end. And why was it? It was because she didn't get what she wanted. She didn't get what she wanted. So I think one of the things that as a root and at the core of our anger is, I mean, James is saying here, it's when we don't get what we want. When we have an expectation uh, about getting to Atlanta, we have an expectation of our spouse, we have an expectation of our child, we have an expectation uh, for our political party, our nation, and we don't get what we want. That is when that anger, that, that, that those quarrels begin to bubble up. So let's talk about expectations just for a second because this is where I think we can kind of begin to tease out, is this a part of who God's created to me to be or has my anger now moved into a place of sin? So let's think about expectations. Let's think about the good things. Um, I have an expectation um, that in God's good world that uh, children uh, should, should be taken care of, that they should not be abused, they should not be sexually abused. I have an expectation in God's good creation um, that, that my political leaders will tell the truth, that they will be honest with me. I have an expectation. And so these are, are good expectations. Um, think about maybe the last fight that you had with your spouse, if you're married, the last disagreement. What was it that you wanted that you weren't getting? My guess is a lot of times it's, it's a good thing. It, it's like I, I care about our marriage. I care about my family. Maybe the last time you got upset with your kid who was making some bad decisions, it's like I care about you. Therefore, that's why I'm invested. That's why I feel passionate. Um, Mark, uh, this was a while back, but he was working with somebody on a project here at the church, and, um, and some, 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 folk, some deliverables didn't happen. Some other folks on the project were supposed to do some things they didn't. They didn't do what they had said they were going to do, and so some balls were dropping. And the gentleman that Mark was working with, um, he, he, his anger flared up a few times. And I remember Mark saying to me, he said, that surprised me. I've never experienced this person as having a lot of anger. And I said, well, I said, I think it's because he's just invested. He thinks that the project y'all are working on is important, uh, and, it, and it matters, and he has, he's, his heart's invested. That's why he wants it to go so well. And he said, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Think about sometimes the anger that you experience. It is because you are invested and because you care and because it matters. But the tension comes when the other person that you're with 
doesn't carry that same level of expectation. And so you have, you have differing expectations. I think about, you know, some of you here I know are in school and uh, when you have to do a group project and, and, you know, you're really invested and committed, but maybe those on your group project, they're, they're dragging their feet or maybe you're playing soccer. You want everybody to be all in. And so we have these moments where these quarrels and these fights come because our expectations uh, are not being met. And sometimes it's, it's a good thing, sometimes it's because you're passionate, but sometimes it is completely and 100% rooted in selfishness. And that's what he is getting at. John Mark Comer explained anger this way, and I thought this was super helpful. He said, anger is a spontaneous feeling that comes over our mind and our body when our will is thwarted, when our will is thwarted. I thought that was really powerful. I want something. I can't have it. And therefore, there is this, this passion uh, rising up within me, a passion that can give me uh, this energy to address an injustice, to make something better, or it can be a wildfire out of control that can destroy my home, my marriage, our church, our nation. What do we do with this? Ephesians 4, 32, Paul kind of wraps up this conversation, and he says, hey, Ephesians, brothers and sisters, this is God's home. I want us to tear down these walls of division and divisiveness. He said, please, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He said, I want you to get rid of all bitterness See, unchecked anger, when we don't control our thoughts and we let that anger control us, it leads to the thoughts of bitterness. Um, he says, get rid of that bitterness. Get rid of that rage. Get rid of that uncontrolled, that unchecked, that unbridled anger. The harsh words that come out of our mind when that anger isn't, when it's controlling us and we're not controlling it. Slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, he gives us, he gives us a tool here. He says, be kind to each other. He said, be tender-hearted, forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Be kind, be tender-hearted, be humble, make allowances for each other's faults. Don't be so harsh, don't be so harsh. Um, but do get in touch with, you know, what's it all about? I want to circle back around to the second part of that verse we started with in Ephesians 4.26. The, the second half of that verse, this is 4.26 and 27, Paul has just said, don't let sin, uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. When I think about the most important relationships that I have, uh, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with people that I work with, the people that I go to church with, my sisters, you know, I think about these most important relationships is the easiest place in the world to feel like a need, that an expectation that I have is not getting met. Um, 
But when we give in to the sinful part of anger, you know what we do? It says here that we give Satan, we give the devil. I mean, he's talking about this, um, I don't know if you believe in this demonic being, but the scriptures are pretty clear about it. There is a, there is a, a spiritual war that we, that we are embattled in here as long as we're, you know, this side of, of the, you know, eternity. And he says, but when you give in to that sinful part, he said, what you're doing is you're giving Satan the devil a foothold in this relationship. That word foothold, when you look at it in the in the Greek, the idea is that you've basically given this 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 person space. So think about those most important relationships in your in your life. Maybe it's in your home, whether you're struggling with, you know, kind of this outburst of anger towards your kids, or maybe it's your parents, or maybe it's your brother, or your sister, uh, your spouse. Think about that. Do you want to Open the door, welcome Satan into your home. Say, hey, here's the guest bedroom. I put out some fresh, some fresh flowers and some fresh tables. I want you to have this room. Satan, this is your room. I want to give you space in my home and in my family and in my church or in my nation or at my work group. I want to invite you to be a part of our lives. Do we do this? No. But what Paul is saying here is that when you give in to that, that sinful part of anger, the bitterness, the wrath, the rage, the slander, he said, that's what you're doing. You're opening the door and you're making space in this most important relationship for Satan to come and set up his resonance and be a part of your conversation. I don't know about y'all. Mark and I can have some hard conversations. I don't want the devil to be anywhere near those because we want to speak the truth and love to one another. He goes on in this verse, and I'm, I'm a little out of order in the way that Paul lays this out, but I think he tells us something here that's so powerful. We're not supposed to give anger this foothold. We're not to let it control us. And he says right here, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I think this is so powerful because I think that what Paul recognizes, and he's so incredibly practical here, it's human. It's human to have these things that are going to cause that passion, to cause that, that energy to, to well up within us. And it might take a day for us to settle down. I remember, you know, during the pandemic, and yeah, yeah I mean, that was hard, you know, all, all being locked up in our houses and, you know, not having, for me, for not having no social interaction. This was kind of when we, you know, were all under the lockdown quarantine. And, um, and so I was feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, a lot of all that. And, uh, and, and Mark and I'd had probably one of the worst spats that we've had. And I can't even remember now, it was just something so minuscule. And I've never done this before, but I remember telling him, and I said, I've got to get out of the house right now. <laughs> and y'all, that's not my nature. I might go in the room, I might shut a door, but it was like I physically, I said, I want you to know I'm, I'm coming back, okay? I am going to come back. And I said, and I'm not trying to punish you with my anger. I'm not trying to shut you down with my anger. I'm not, I said, but I, I can feel my emotions so incredibly strong right now. I need to walk because I need to do something with all this energy that's raging inside my body. And when I come back, we'll, we're going to work on this. And, and to be honest with you, I don't even remember what I was upset with him about. But, but I remember I needed, to, I needed to physically do something to kind of get rid of all that energy that was, you know, kind of going through my, my body. And, and I think that is what Paul is saying was just it's okay. It happens. It's a part of being human. But then what I want you to do, I want you to think about it. 
I want you to recognize it. I want you to acknowledge that it's happening. Um, I want you to not just try to shove it down and say, good people don't feel this way. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Good people do feel this way sometimes. So, so don't just shove it down. Don't deny it. Don't react out of it, but to recognize it. But then to ask the question that James invites us to ask, what is it that you want that you're not getting? What is it that you want that you're not getting? Dig down. What is it? You know, it might be, it might be something like, I, I didn't want my mom to die. I did not want my mom to die. And therefore, I will have these times of anger at God because my mom died when I was three. You know, it's like I, I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want my spouse to be unfaithful. I didn't want my kid to spill red Kool-Aid all over my white couch. I didn't want there to be traffic in McDonough. Yeah, I didn't want my coworker uh, to, to not, you know, care as much about this project. I didn't want that girl to say the mean and hateful things that she did about me on social media. What is that thing that is happening that you don't want it to be happening? And then there comes the teasing out. You know, well, is this a, a good thing? Is it because I'm so invested? I care so much and, and I, and I want to, I want to get back in and I want to do something. Is it a selfish thing? You know, it's like, is it, it, am I mad at my parents because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play some more video games, but they want me to do my homework and therefore I'm not getting my way. Tease out. Is it an evil desire or is it a good desire. So we, we recognize it, we acknowledge it, we, we ask what's underneath it, uh, what am I getting that, that I want, and then hopefully, especially with our most important relationships, we take this advice that Paul gives us in the same chapter, and he says, I want you Ephesians, I want you Christians, I want you church members, I want you body of Christ, then to step into the hard conversations and speak your truth, but speak it with love. Speak your truth. Don't walk away. Don't slam the door. Don't go get another job. Go find another church. Go, you know, find another marriage. Find another kid. Find another, you know, it's easy to run or to lash out. But I want you to speak truth, but I want you to do it humbly and with gentleness and with compassion and with mercy. I want you to keep your flame low. But the flame is a part of being human. Think of the difference as we, Martha Bowman, families uh, in your workplace, at your school, if we, instead of reflecting the anger that is a part of this culture right now, if instead we are an alternative to it. Because it matters. It matters in your home, it matters in your family. But there are people who are looking at the church and it is so incredibly attractive when they see a home where people are walking in love, having those hard conversations, but saying, no, anger is not going to control me. It's not going to get the best of me. It's not going to tear us down. But instead, we're going to be like God. We're going to be slow to anger, full of mercy, full of compassion, full of his loving kindness. Let's go to the Lord.